Hello, and welcome to the Lung Force podcast series. My name is Alexis, and I'm your Lung Force host from the American Lung Association in Buffalo, New York. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer deaths in America for both men and women. People that you know are struggling with lung cancer, COPD, asthma, and more every single day. We hope to change the stigma that lung cancer only affects smokers, that asthma is only a mild issue, that polluted air doesn't impact our lung health, and much more. Our Lung Force initiative is designed to do just that. Lung Force was founded in 2014 in response to the rising rate of women being diagnosed with lung cancer. Each year, we host our Lung Force Walk to raise funds and awareness for research, education, and advocacy around lung cancer and lung disease. Each month, we'll bring you a few episodes covering different lung health topics that are local and relevant to our community by interviewing experts around the area and digging deeper into the lives of those affected by lung disease. Thank you for tuning in and joining our Lung Force. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our fourth episode of the Lung Force podcast series. This is the last episode of our first season, which is focused on lung cancer. So far, we have brought on guests who identify as Lung Force heroes or caregivers and started to dive a little bit deeper into some educational topics. Last episode, we talked a little bit about lung cancer screening, and today we will look more into treatment options and some new and exciting therapies for lung cancer. The Lung Force podcast series is sponsored by our Lung Force presenting sponsor, Independent Health. Independent Health is extremely active in the Western New York community, promoting healthy lifestyles by giving people the opportunity to engage in physical activity throughout our cities, healthy meal options and plans, and personal health care programs. Visit their website at independenthealth.org to learn more about what they do and how to get involved with them. Now we bring you another special guest, one of our friends and supporters, Paul Gorman with AstraZeneca Oncology. Not only does Paul facilitate our AstraZeneca partnership, but he and his family are personally involved with our mission. As our second year participating in the Lung Force Walk as a family, they have continued to be a top fundraising team and are always going out of their way to grow awareness with us. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Paul Gorman. All right. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for asking me to be on. Yeah, of course. Um, so why don't we start off a little bit with just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm Paul Gorman. I work for AstraZeneca Oncology. Um, I have I've grown up in Buffalo. I grew up in the Amherst area. I've lived in Buffalo my whole life. Um, I'm married, my wife, Amy, and I have two kids, Megan and Sean. They are, uh, Megan's a nurse. She's a uh, 23, and then my son is a sophomore at the University of Binghamton. And um, uh, I, I, I lived in Buffalo, as I said, my whole life. I love the area. I'm committed to this area. I think Buffalo has an underdog mentality, and I certainly share that. But I'm so proud to be in this uh, in this community. Um, on a personal level, um, we love to travel. Um, that's one of our favorite things to do as we've sort of gotten a little bit older. And um, this year, of course, we just think about travel someday down the road. Um, but other than that, you know, just, um, you know, try to stay healthy and, and fit as best we can. We take a lot of walks with the dog and try to get exercise just to maintain good health. But otherwise, nothing too, I, I would imagine, too exciting. But but that's us. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know we will kind of chat a little bit about your family later but um the Gormans are awesome people and you guys are all just <laughs> super involved in the community and with us and it's great and um I totally 
hear you on the traveling situation. That's one of my hobbies as well. Um, just like hiking, getting out, being active, traveling, things like that. And this year has definitely been a challenge, but I'm excited for <clears throat> kind of what's to come with everything and stuff like that. Um, so I am interested. How did you originally kind of become interested in working for a pharmaceutical company? Well, um, it goes back. I've been here for 23 years at AstraZeneca. Um, prior to that, I had jobs in, in sales. And, and I had a few friends who had gotten into the pharmaceutical industry and um, had told me a lot about it. And I knew that they were, you know, good jobs where you could actually make a difference for, for people. And um, over some time, I, an opportunity presented itself with, um, with AstraZeneca. It was actually a different company at the time. We've gone through a couple mergers in my career. And um, it just seemed like something once, the more I learned about it, um, you know, the opportunity to interact with physicians and their team members um, and hopefully promoting medicines that make a difference for people. Um, you know, I, I, I came on board and, and uh, it, it really has been a fantastic <laughs> career for me. Um, the last 17 years I've been on our oncology team. Prior to that, actually with AstraZeneca, I guess I've always had sort of um, an attachment to, to lung health because I was on our respiratory team when I first came on board. So um, I was talking a lot about asthma and allergies back then. Um, but in the last 17 years, I've been on our oncology team and a lot of the focus has been on agents um, to treat patients with lung cancer. So it's sort of, um, it's always, lung health has sort of always been part of my career at AstraZeneca. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And I know that's kind of how you've been able to get connected with us as well a little bit um, between that and your family connection, which I'm sure has um, kind of helped you just become interested in the oncology department in general. So would you mind speaking a little bit on your family connection with lung disease, a little bit about um, your mother and her story or experiences and sure. everything like that? Yeah, my mom, um, her name was um, Suzanne Mulligan Gorman. And um, it's funny how, how you know, life sort of uh, sets us down a path. And in, in, uh, in the case for me, as I said, I, I, I'd always been involved with AstraZeneca in my oncology career around um, lung cancer. And my mother, um, right about the time I, I actually was engaging with, with uh, your team at the ALA, my mother had um, gotten kind of sick around the holidays. And um, the typical things, um, you know, that, that we see with a lot of patients who have lung cancer, where she had a cough and shortness of breath, and it sort of got, got worse. And they thought maybe it was bronchitis, then it didn't get better and thought it was pneumonia. And um, I kind of had a sense, you know, my mother, um, like so many people sort of just thought it would go away. Um, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and, and she was older, so um, she didn't want to go to the doctor and she didn't want to really bother anybody to, to take her. That was just the way she was. Um, but unfortunately, as it got worse and I had my um, concerns about where this was headed, um, you know, it, it turns out um, in a very short amount of time that she, she did have uh, lung cancer that took her life. And from the time really that we really first started seeing any kind of symptoms to the time she passed was, was just such a short amount of time. And she really mm -hmm. struggled um, towards the end with just her breathing. Um, but it was, you know, it was sort of for me, like one of these things that just sort of in my career, I've talked a lot about people with lung disease. And, and, and a lot of times, you, 
you know, in my role, I get bogged down in statistics and, and data, but to um, actually live through that. I mean, my mother was this life of the party person, you know, and even in old age, um, she always maintained that sense of family and always wanting to be involved. Like I, I, if there's a party, I want to be there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, luckily for her, it, you know, it was, it was hard to watch her at the end. Her, she struggled so badly to breathe. And, uh, but, but we were all there for her, um, which is exactly what she would have wanted. But I, I'll never forget that because the impact on all of us and, and you wonder, you know, maybe had we looked at these things earlier or sooner, paid more attention or been more vigilant. But in saying all that, she, she had a remarkable life and, and we, were, um, we were really blessed that she, we had her as long as she did. So, but that was a little bit about her, but it was just sort of that, that connection, um, seeing that with my mom and, and understanding what, what someone goes through and the impact it has on the family. Um, you know, that's just, there's just so much we need to do to try to try to get somewhere better. Yeah, I agree. And it's always, thank you for sharing. It's, um, so like hard and sad to hear all these stories like this, you know, and, but that is kind of what helps to continue drive people like both of us, um, you know, further in our careers and learning new treatments, learning new ways to improve the quality of life for, for these people that are diagnosed with lung cancer and, you know, earlier detecting like all, all of the things that we just kind of keep promoting. Um, it, if there's one thing our listeners kind of do get out of all these podcasts, I hope it is a little bit of that recurring theme of, um, I guess how, how common it is, how it, it kind of can just happen to your mom, your grandma, anybody. And um, just the complications that kind of come along with it and everything. So thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and as we kind of jump a little bit more into AstraZeneca, um, your role there, everything like that, could you kind of just explain a little bit for those who just may not really know what AstraZeneca is? I mean, I know we're hearing a lot about it, um, a lot about the pharmaceutical companies with like COVID and in different areas of life right now, but just in general, kind of like what you do and what AstraZeneca, how they play a role in lung health, what they kind of provide for people. Sure. Um, AstraZeneca, yes, with, uh, among many pharmaceutical companies is in the news a lot these days with um, with COVID situation. But AstraZeneca is a global science-led biopharmaceutical company. And oncology drug research and development is part of the foundation of AstraZeneca. So a particular area of focus um, for AstraZeneca oncology is research and commercialization in lung cancer, like I mentioned to ultimately help improve the lives of patients living with lung cancer. Um, what I do in my role um, as a field-based rep, basically, um, I cover all of Western New York um, and some, some parts of Pennsylvania. And primarily I focus, um, you know, in, in our areas where we have a couple drugs in stage three and um, stage four non-small cell lung cancer, I primarily call on medical oncologists as well as other members of the multidisciplinary team and their um, staff just to make sure um, any new data is, is understood, who's appropriate for certain therapies, what types of um, testing needs to be determined so we can figure out who's the right patient, what side effects are, and then providing patient support to the offices as well so that if there are, are things that patients or their family members need, if they end up on one of our drugs, that they have everything they need to, to uh, to make sure they can get access to the drug and, and have support. 
So that's primarily what I do. Okay. Yeah, that is, that's amazing work. Um, and I will make sure to link the AstraZeneca uh, website below in the description and just kind of link to all the oncology areas on the website as well. And I have been through just from hearing, you know, different presentations from you or going through your website, there is a lot of information on there and um, you, you do amazing work. So I definitely want to make sure we get that out to people. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so you were kind of hitting on this a little bit, but um, I know in general there have been several advances in testing and treatments for lung cancer, including like targeted therapies, targeted treatments, um, and just kind of testing that goes along with that. Could you kind of explain a little bit about what a targeted therapy is and sort of, you know, how, how we go about looking for that and everything? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, right now, unfortunately, the majority of non-small cell lung cancers are detected in, in later stage. Um, and there have been, as you pointed out, a number of really exciting advances within the last five to 10 years in terms of um, therapies that will work uniquely for each individual patient. So for many years, um, treatment for a stage four lung cancer patient consisted of a chemotherapy combination. Um, there, there'd be different regimens and there, you know, there, there maybe wasn't much else. They, they might move from one chemotherapy regimen to another um, and some worked well and some weren't as effective. But as I mentioned over the last decade, they started to identify certain mutations or biomarkers that are drivers of tumors in, in patients. So if you think of it in simple terms, like they found that some of these drivers of tumors or these mutations feed the tumor growth. So right now we know there are about seven actionable mutations. And when I say actionable, meaning that if they find it, there's a targeted therapy that will work on that mutation in stage four non-small cell lung cancer. So what that means is when someone is tested um, after they get all their scans and a diagnosis is made, they'll get um, tested either through tissue or liquid biopsy. And if they're positive for one of these mutations, then they may be eligible for drugs that work specifically on that actionable mutation as the source of tumor growth. And what, what we see in actually um, a meta-analysis was, was recently published. And what that is, is where they look at multiple studies conducted and kind of analyze it as a whole group. Um, but it, it was a, a meta-analysis that showed stage four patients with actionable mutations treated with targeted therapy. There was a significant improvement in overall survival outcomes versus no targeted therapy. Um, and then the other thing about targeted therapy, it also may mean a patient can take a pill at home every day. So um, that's a little different than, say, coming in for infusions. Uh, mm -hmm. It's estimated that about 30% of stage four non-small cell lung, lung cancer adenocarcinomas have an actionable mutation. I just think that is awesome news. I remember my first time kind of hearing about all this. I had no idea that this was something that was even possible. Um, and I know the goal is just to keep kind of growing the number of targeted therapies that we can provide to people. And I, I don't know, I, I just think that the, the advancements that are being made really just goes to show all the hard work that's been putting in, all the funding that's been putting in and um, just everything like that is amazing. So yeah. how could a specialist decide if someone is eligible for a targeted therapy approach if we're um, just getting a little deeper into that? Okay, well, they'd have to do what they call molecular testing. And what that is, is it, it, it checks for certain genes or proteins that 
certain developed drugs can target. Like I mentioned, that's why they come up with a targeted therapy. Um, but it, it, it's specific to slow or reduce the camera cancer growth. Um, the guidelines that are out, which are kind of the standard guidelines that are used for the medical oncology community, they, they now suggest that most stage four non-small cell lung cancer patients should have molecular testing done at the time of diagnosis to determine the status. And then that will help them determine appropriate treatment. Um, the treatments are only as good as the molecular testing. So if the molecular testing isn't effective or doesn't get done, then targeted therapies, we don't know if they would work or not. So it's really essential that that, that testing piece gets done first. Okay, that's really good to um, understand. And kind of along with that, what advancements then in lung cancer and molecular testing have we made in the recent years that we can okay. touch on? Yeah, there've been a lot and it's, it's an ongoing process um, and it's evolving um, because it's, it's, it's multifaceted. So um, molecular testing some, sometimes will be done by tissue or sometimes it might be done by blood or both, um, but there's, there's layers involved. So um, some of the challenges that we've seen real improvements um, have been in turnaround times for tissue biopsy. So, so what that means is that the results of the molecular tests get to the medical oncologist quicker. The medical oncologist is the one who will make the treatment decisions. So it's important that, that from the time that tissue gets sent out to the pathologist and then from pathologist to wherever the lab is that does the testing, then they get those results back to the medical oncologist. Um, we're also seeing things now in, in some institutions where they're doing what they call reflex testing on tissue, where um, they will actually automatically send out for the molecular testing in a, in a non-small cell lung cancer patient. Um, that isn't universal yet, but that's starting to happen. It saves some time. Um, and that allows the, the medical oncologist to make treatment decisions faster as well, based on the results of the molecular test. Um, the other thing is more labs are now able to test for all actionable mutations through a, a newer technology called next generation sequencing. Um, in the past, when I mentioned there were six or seven molecular targets, typically the medical oncologist or whoever was ordering the testing would order them one gene at a time. So they'd start with one. If they didn't get an answer, they'd move to the other. But that could be time consuming and, and there might not be enough tissue available. So with um, newer technology called next generation sequencing, they can do that all at one time and get the whole panel of actionable targets to determine if the patient is positive for any of them. Um, we've also seen some real advances in blood-based testing to complement tissue testing. And that's done through a simple blood draw at the office, or in some cases they might even do it in, in a patient's home. But, um, Ultimately, the more information, the better, because it'll allow the doctors to know what treatment may work best, as well as understand what's not going to work when they make a treatment decision. So again, it's really important that the doctors consider all the information before they make that decision. And it, it really is exciting to see how many more options are available to help people live longer with lung cancer. Yeah, definitely. I know um, throughout just kind of our Lung Force Initiative this past year, we've um, educated and touched a little bit on like blood tests, liquid biopsies, different things like that. So I think we've kind of been scratching the surface on the education and working with partners like you can really help us kind of just bring light of all this to our, our patients and our listeners and our followers. And I, yeah, yeah, I just think what we're doing is amazing and anything we can do to kind of keep, keep pushing in that direction and just keep our public 
understanding of how important all of this is and everything is, um, you know, it's just how we, how we get yeah. where we're going. There's a lot happening. So, and it's all, it's all really exciting, but it is a lot of information too. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, um, I think bringing it down to this kind of level where we're um, able to kind of explain it to people and, and get their questions, get their feedback, things like that is kind of an amazing place to start too. So I, I do thank you so much for touching on all of this today. Um, I would love to circle back a little bit kind of to your connection with the American Lung Association. So I know you did mention um, becoming involved with us a few years back, but would you be able to kind of elaborate more on just your participation in, you know, some of your committees that you're on with us and um, the events you do um, just kind of when you became involved and how you became involved both on a personal and professional level. Sure. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, when, when we were talking a little bit about my mom's story, um, right around that time, part of what AstraZeneca does is, is, is help support um, education initiatives, um, community outreach. And through that, um, I was able to link up with, with um, Kaylin and the team locally on the Lung Force Expo a couple of years back. So we were, you know, we were looking to be partners and, and sort of help with that program and, and the education around it. And from that, um, just getting to know the team and it, there's just so many great people associated with, I mean, so driven and passionate about, you know, what you guys are doing that, you know, we just seem to hit it off. There were sort of some commonalities in, in what we want to do and what we want to see happen. So um, from that, uh, I was asked to be on the committee for last year's Lung Force Expo. So, um, you know, we worked together to try to build that that uh, program out. Of course, COVID changed the, the plans for that, but um, through that, I got to meet a ton of great people in the community, again, who are so passionate about um, lung health and making a difference for patients and their families. Um, so it just sort of seemed like a natural fit. And I've, I've been really, um, really honored and pleased to, to be a part of the, the team in Western New York. Um, I, from that relationship, my sister Barb got involved. Um, she, she was on um, the committee for the um, Lung Force Walk and had some really neat fundraising ideas, which I think hopefully will be an annual tradition for her. But um, it's just, like I said, from a, a family standpoint, my whole family, my extended family, which includes my brothers and sisters and my nieces and nephews, and then my immediate family, Amy and, and myself and our, our kids have just you know, kind of gotten behind this. And um, it's just, it's a wonderful organization to be a part of. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, we, you know, we love having you all, as I said. Um, <laughs> I know uh, Barb has been working with me for the past year and meeting her last year was just amazing. She is, she's so active and just so passionate as your whole family is. And even like you said, your nieces and, uh, you know, I feel like the ALA team and the Gorman family have just become friends at this point. And it's really amazing to just, you know, meet all of you and continue to work with your family and everything. Um, so that's amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, yeah, again, just thank you so much for all the work that you've done with us and that I know you guys will continue to do with us. And thank you for interviewing with me today as well. Oh, again, thank you. I really appreciate the chance to get to talk to you a little bit about what we're doing. And I'm, I'm so privileged to uh, be a part of this team. So thanks, Alexis. Take care. All right. Thanks again, Paul. And with that, if you would like to learn more about AstraZeneca and what they provide, you can visit their website at www.astrazeneca.com, which will be linked below. 
You can also learn more about targeted therapies for lung cancer, including biomarker testing and how it works by visiting our website, which will also be linked below. As I said, this episode does conclude our first season focused on lung cancer. Please tune in as we launch our second season, which will be focused on lung disease and lung health trends, commonalities, and factors in our area. Of course, make sure to check out our Facebook group at Lung Force Walk Buffalo and our website at lungforce.org buffalo. If you would like to get in touch with us about educational topics, speaking on our podcast, or becoming involved with Lung Force as a company or an individual, please contact buffalowalk at lung.org. And thank you for tuning in.